0: Welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock and I'm your host for a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. Let me give a shout out to our panelists, guys, if you don't mind uh, waving for the uh, video portion of our show. Uh, We have attorney and former federal prosecutor, Ward Mythaler, and we also have retired Major Ronald McMullen, retired Corporal David D. Gresta, active Sergeant Tyra And we also have producer Will Statzer. So uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate you being on the show. And also want to give a shout out to our sponsors. We have Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Verding Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies. And hey, we're syndicated on the radio through AMFM 247, Boss Hog Radio Network, uh, Good Talk Radio, WBCF in Alabama. And that's just to name a few. We're also on Red Voice Media, which is part of the Thin Blue Line TV. And we are powered by Pexip. And also, uh, the uh, Tampa Free Press is part of us as well. So, uh, Thanks, guys, for being part of this. Now, for those of, uh, of you guys watching the show, yes, we're normally on YouTube. I uh, had an incident, you know, last year in May, uh, we had a strike for impersonation. And, you know, we've never impersonated another channel. And they didn't give me a lot of information about the complaint, so I had to appeal it. And I didn't really know what I was appealing because I had limited information. And then in my appeal, they limited the, the number of characters I could type in for the appeal, and it, it got rejected. So we have one strike on our record. So second strike means you're kind of spending from activities for like about a week. So sure enough, last week, one of our sponsors um, had a link that had appeared to have been compromised. You got a warning when going know, be careful before going to this website. And I contacted the sponsor after I got notified by uh, producer Will that we got another strike. And uh, the sponsor wasn't aware of anything wrong with the website, but he wasn't using that site anymore. He took it down immediately and I removed the link from our YouTube page, but it was on a video that we posted back on November the 20th. And You know it's been what a couple days i guess since i appealed it and still nothing we cannot upload videos we can't do a live stream um so uh, we're going to vimeo and that's where we attempted to do a live stream this evening on Vimeo, technical issues. So we'll, we'll get that worked out in the future. But, uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, where we're at so far. So uh, thanks for being patient with us. And hopefully you'll get a video portion of the show. If not, it might be podcast radio only. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, where we're at. So look, we've got some uh, good content that we're going to be talking about. I've got a really uh, great main story coming up. Uh, Ward, I think Attorney Ward is going to like this. It's on police1.com. Um, and uh, I'm going to go with the... They had a couple articles on this. Um, The second one's titled Traffic Stomp for a Noise Violation Leads Supreme Court to Consider a Big Expansion of Warrantless Entries. Now, uh, we've got a, uh, a guy named Arthur Lang. He's driving home. He's in Sonoma County, California. He's playing his music loud. His windows are down. He's honking his horn a few times. And so a California Highway Patrol officer, Weikert, he hears this going on. He's alerted to this guy. So he starts following Lang, and, and uh, he's going to stop him for excessive sound amplification and honking without justification. Minor infractions, but they're legit. So Officer Weikert follows uh, Lang at a distance off the main road, And through several um, turns in his neighborhood, Lang slows down, uh, uses his garage door opener, and then the cop activates his light. So Lang turns into his driveway, four seconds later, enters his garage. So Weikert, who's the officer, parks in the driveway, walks up, puts his foot under the garage door just as it's starting to close and causes it to reopen. So the cop, um, or or California, or, or chip guy goes inside uh, the garage and he says, "Hey, did you see me behind you?" And so the bad guy said he did not. So then the cop asked him um, about the honking and the music, or he he asked him about that, and then he asked him for his license and registration. So then our officer smells alcohol, observes bloodshot eyes. The guy's got slurred speech and has him do a sobriety test. He's arrested for DUI and a blood alcohol test measures him at 0.245. Wow. So the county DA charges Lang with misdemeanor DUI, noise infraction for the loud music. That's where we're at. So then it goes to the lower court. So the defense moved to suppress the evidence, of course, you know, uh, because it was obtained after the officer entered the garage. They said it was prohibited uh, warrantless entry. Into the home, the curtilage of the home, I guess. So the prosecutor responds that the entry was lawful because the officer was in hot pursuit, based on a probable cause that Langa committed the misdemeanor of willfully failing or refusing to comply with a lawful order, signal, direction of a police officer, you know, trying to pull him over. So the state trial appeals court sided with the prosecution. So now we've got the state and uh, lower federal courts are split on whether the hot pursuit exception to a warrantless. Uh, to to a warrant includes misdemeanors and according to the supreme court uh they accepted this case and heard oral arguments starting on february the 24th so that just started so that's kind of you know where we're at i will say that the um, supreme court's reaction to this uh it's the one theme that that has emerged from the justices is how difficult they're finding this task of deciding this particular case and a recommendation from our is that it's a tough time, if it's a tough time for the nine justices, uh, what about the cops? They're saying, make sure you know what your current law is in the jurisdiction that you're in, you know, so you don't get jammed up. So that all said, uh, we've got uh, roughly um, six and a half minutes. Um, I'm going off of a different radio clock because we got started a little bit late. But Attorney Ward, why don't you go and start us off?
1: This is a good example of why police officers need qualified immunity. <clears throat> Uh, for those on this show who thinks it's easy to decide what's constitutional or what isn't, uh, this, this is a great example of how things can get so complicated. Um, I don't have an opinion as to which way this should go. I do think that, that whether you need a warrant or not should not be based simply on the term felony versus misdemeanor, but possibly uh, on the conduct that's involved, especially for misdemeanors. And I think maybe that's where the court will come out on this. I do think in this case it was I, entering the, the garage was unwarranted I think that the the rationale given later uh, that they there entered it because he failed to abide by a lawful order sounds completely fabricated to me it seems that they entered it simply because of loud music I don't think you should be able to enter a house because of loud music uh, without a warrant myself personally so this will be um, be interesting to see what happens by the way the Attorney general of California decided with the dependent in this case, that's the guy who Biden has nominated to be Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare.
0: Interesting. All right, is there anybody else on this, guys? All right, David, <laughs> yeah. Corporal David, go ahead.
2: Um, Are we on the time clock? There we all right? Good? Yeah, we're good. <clears throat> okay, Um, you know, in, in reading more of the article, some of the justices were kind of leaning toward the idea that or, or some of the prosecutors or some of the local attorneys didn't want it to be um a case-by-case basis and i don't think there's any way around that like ward said you come up on a circumstance and it could be a misdemeanor you know it's it's some like this loud music type of crap and you you pull up in something like that but then instead of you know the guy pulling into garage as you look at the house there's a a small child that seems frightened and runs, or you know, some something else is going on at the scene that causes you to believe there's something else to the case that needs to be immediately uh, dealt with. So, I don't think there's any way around doing these almost on a case by case basis. I, I just don't think there's any way around it. And and misdemeanor versus felony, like Ward said, I don't think that should be the, the determining factor, uh, end all be all either. Uh, I just depends on it. It just depends on the circumstances that the police officer comes across at the time.
0: All right. Thank you, Corporal. Now, Major Ron, go ahead.
3: You know, it caught my attention um, was when he put his foot in the garage door. So it would go back up. And I was that, that that's what um, my confusion was in the sense of, you know, would you or could you or, would, or shouldn't you is just loud music. They're in their house. Um, Is that entering, you know, voluntarily, so to speak? Like what if the guy jumped out of the car and ran to the door and I chased him and he got in before me and closed and locked the door? Or what if he ran to the door and I got to the door just before he closed it and um, I grabbed the door? Would that be any different, you know? So that's what I was teetering on, thinking like, you know, what, what do you tell your officers? And this is exactly, when, when you said this is why we need qualified immunity, um, I, I agree with you 100% because just in this one case, there are three or four of us who would do three or four different things or tell our folks three or four different things. Um, it's not easy, um, but, you know, the guy's young, bopping and hopping, and you know, just being crazy, not paying attention, talking to the girls, pulls in, boom, boom, and he honestly doesn't see you. That's one thing. But then sometimes it sounds like Ward says, it sounds contrived. Oh okay, well, what happened? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 you know. So, I'm with both. I agree with Dave and uh, Ward. It needs to be, you know, looked at. But you know, you can't depend on each municipality and each little jurisdiction to do the right thing all the time. So, that's where we stand.
0: All right, makes complete sense to me. Thank you, Major. Appreciate it. Guys, we've got about two and a half minutes, so if there's nobody else on this one, I'll go ahead and uh, go to the next topic then. I've got an update here. It's on uh, policeone.com. Ex-cop appeals third-degree murder conviction uh, to the Minnesota Supreme Court. So a former, and this name, Ward, you're going to love this, a former Minneapolis police officer, Mohammed Noor, uh, he filed a petition on Thursday asking the state Supreme court to overturn his third degree murder conviction and the death of an Australian woman. And it's, this has actually got implications um, for the prosecution of a former officer and the death of George Floyd as well. Um, but going on talking about the Minnesota Supreme court, they now have to decide whether to consider Noor's appeal in the 2017 death of Justine Damon. And if the court declines, a recent Court of Appeals ruling will stand. Now, in that appellate uh, decision, the court voted two to one to uphold Noor's third-degree murder charge, uh, saying that he met the legal threshold for a, quote, depraved mind, unquote, and that the charge can apply when the defendant's actions are directed at a single person. Now, some of the attorneys have interpreted the statute to apply only when a defendant's actions put multiple people at risk, not a specific individual, and the re- and it results, you know, in a death. But uh, prosecutors in the case um, against uh, former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, uh, the man seen kneeling on Floyd's neck, of course, um, they're seeking to reinstate a third-degree murder charge against him based on the Court of Appeals ruling involving Nor. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, yeah, I would love to get your your opinion on this, on Ward. Now we're going uh, roughly about 45 seconds. So anything you don't get in, uh, we'll we'll cover in a minute. Go ahead, Ward.
1: This will be interesting to see what happens. We've discussed this several times in the past. It's actually a Supreme Court decision in the past that said that third-degree murder has to apply when someone can be only applied when someone is uh, acting with a depraved mind towards a number of people and not just one person. So this it, it should be overturned, but the Supreme Court of Minnesota may find some, re, some way to get around it.
0: Okay, very interesting. Geisberg and take a commercial break. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Now I want to take a moment and tell you guys about our friends at extra duty solutions. Inefficiencies can negatively affect your staff's production and morale, as well as your agency's reputation with proper oversight, your agency's extra duty off duty employment program. It can be profitable uh, while you still are in control of the program, extra duty solutions. They administer it at no cost to your agency, and they take on all the administrative burden and the financial risk. They keep the program fair and transparent. The officers that are most eligible get the work, they get priority and they paid out over $50 million in extra duty work within the past, 12 months. You can visit them today at extraduty solutions.com. All right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. If there's nobody, well, we do have somebody, not just anybody, it's Major Ron. Go ahead, Ron. <coughs> The floor. I'm sorry. I should have said Major yeah. Ron. You don't like your people calling your first name without the title in front of it. I understand that. Everybody on the show knows about that rule. So I apologize. Go ahead, Major.
3: Uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, Ward, this is a case where that uh, that uh, officer was um, was Muslim, right? And then he, the lady walked up and approached the driver, and he just reached across and shot the lady. Um, had that was that was that a case of when they when you felt like they had um, lowered the standards to get him in
0: Somali, Somalian because, Somalia. Yeah,
3: yeah. I just always I always just felt like the guy was scared. He was just he heard so much and he'd been watching so much Kojak and you know stuff <laughs> like that. That he, I'm serious. I just thought, always thought that he just looked scared and frail, and he just oh you know and the, he had no confidence, no self confidence. The way he acted, the way he carried himself. I mean, am I correct, or do you guys, Dave, Tyron, you guys, seeing anything different? He just the, the the lady walked up. He didn't know what the hell it was. It could have been a ghost. He was terrified. He just took his gun and shot. Boom, boom. You know, damn. Boom,
0: boom, so that's boom. That's the way I, I always I, felt. I, boom, boom.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here we go again. Here we go. <laughs>
1: Ron, I don't know what his state of mind was. I mean, I would like to know, but I I just, I don't have any idea myself. But this is the person you're thinking of. He's Somalian. Um, I don't know if the tests, the psych tests were dumbed down for him or not, but the psych tests were dumbed down during the time he was hired. They are dumbed down to get more minority people uh, into the police department, um, uh, he's the city was sued and paid a huge settlement way larger than i would have expected and i think in part it was to avoid discovery under the issue with respect to the issue of dumbing down the psych test
0: wow you know the funny the funny thing is Ward just said he talked about dumbing down the psych test we have a story coming up where they actually want to um they they're they're going to be waiving uh, the requirement to be a citizen, a legal citizen, in order to, uh, to, you know, to become a police officer. So that's going to be interesting. So, um, and, and, and Major Ron, I noticed that, you know, you only bring, you know, Kojak up when we don't have anyone that doesn't have hair on the show. So just because Captain Brett's gone today, I, I guess I opened up the door for you to bring Kojak up. I just want to let you know that I noticed the little things. I noticed the little details.
3: So, well, hey, I'm quickly running in that direction, <laughs> you know. I got that ball cut. It fell out. So I cut it.
0: Yeah. Tyra. Was that a smile that graced your face when Ron was, uh, was said that? Wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: It's the little things.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. If there's nobody else, then uh, we'll move on to our next one then. And we got a couple of videos we're going to cover. Now, again, if you're listening to our show and you want to watch the video, uh, even on a live show when we're doing a video live show, we don't have the time to be throwing in the live you know, videos of the shootings and chases and all that stuff. So if you go to our Facebook page, uh, look up Leo Roundtable. Uh, we have the full itinerary, all the stories that we're doing, links to all the videos. It's a great way to get kind of caught up. You can do it in advance of the show i posted on there you know before we even do our shows at seven o'clock on mondays so that said um let's go to the uh oklahoman.com uh, now uh, oklahoma police officer city police officer charged with manslaughter and the shooting death of a black man with a history of mental illness and of course they've got to make it a point that the guy being black so an oklahoma city police officer has been charged with first degree murder And, you know, it's a deadly shooting of a 60-year-old mentally ill black man. So... Um, but interesting stuff. The sergeant's name is Clifford Holman. He was charged with a felony on Thursday in Oklahoma County District Court and it was more than two months after the December 11th shooting death of Bernie Edwards. Or I'm sorry, Benny Edwards. It was in the parking lot of a business. So if convicted, Holman, who's been with the uh, police force for seven years, he faces four years to life in prison with a possibility of parole after at least 85% of his sentence being served. District, District Attorney David Pratter filed the charge Himself. He also filed a second degree manslaughter felony charge as an alternative, and that carries a two to four year sentence. And officers responded um, to the call. And, uh, you know, this guy was bothering people outside his store. Edwards threatened officers with a knife when they showed up. They attempted to de-escalate the situation with pepper spray and taser. I know some people were thinking to themselves, well, I've been tasered and pepper spray. That's not really de-escalation, but it is. And Edwards runs at the officer, and he had a knife, and the officer was forced to discharge his weapon. And this is according to Captain Daniel Stewart. Um, Now, Edwards was pronounced dead at the scene. And, uh, you know, in a probable cause affidavit, a guy named Brian Carter, he's a homicide detective. He's got 27 years on the Oklahoma City Police Department, and he was assigned to conduct the investigation. Um, He said in the affidavit uh, that Master Sergeant Keith DeRoy, who has 28 years of service, um, he arrived first on the scene. He saw Edwards opening a folding style lock blade knife in his right hand. And just as a side note. Uh, DeRoy shot a 28-year-old guy back in 2011. But um, facing Edwards, DeRoy called for backup, including an officer with a taser. And so Holman, the guy that got jammed up, he's our taser operator. He arrives on the scene to assist. Edwards tells officers to leave uh, while holding the knife in his right hand and pointing at officers as they're instructing him to drop it. So he doesn't want the cops to be there. Um, Holman deploys his taser to Edwards on Uh, Twice, on two occasions. Edwards uh, was also hit with pepper spray with little or no effect. So after the second taser deployment, Edwards, and uh, he's our uh, bad guy, charges towards DeRoy with the knife still in his right hand, and then he turns and he runs away from the officers. And that's when Sergeant Clifford Holman drops the taser, takes out the service weapon, fires three shots. They say unnecessarily, according to this report that this detective did, um, at Mr. Edwards as he's running away, striking him in his upper middle back, causing death. And so that's what's in the affidavit. So interesting stuff. I'm kind of curious what kind of comments, you know, we have on this. Just as a side note, uh, John George, he's president of the Oklahoma City Fraternal Order Police. He released a statement in support of Holman saying that Holman followed his training when Edwards charged another officer. So we got someone saying he charged another officer. And then, of course, we got someone saying that, you know, he was running away from the cops. So uh, Corporal David, uh, we've got uh, we're going to be going till uh, 10 minutes um, till. So you've got roughly um, a little less than 30 seconds. Go ahead
2: um gee i'll um i'll have to start have to finish um you know the the, the video was kind of confusing i'm not sure if the officer in front of the guy the the delroy guy shot or not we'll have to see when we get back
0: let's take that's good point we're taking another commercial break we'll be right back guys Well, hey, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning, and they made it easy. GunLearn.com its the first and only company to offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. You can start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. Get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. Come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. All right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Now, Corporal David, I know you were deep in thought on that, but love to get your feedback on that okay. video.
2: I don't know. I don't know how deep. Um, you know, the, the three, the, the at least the three officers that had the subject uh, corralled, so to speak, there on the at the strip center. He was on the sidewalk or the the walkway in front of the stores, and they were kind of in front of him in a semicircle. The officer, the sergeant, deploys his his taser at one point. Um, which agitates the guy even more. It's, it's ineffective. He's got a heavy jacket on. I'm not sure where it, what it caught or what it didn't catch. Um, you see him swinging at the, at the probe wires, and then he charges forward directly at the officer in the center, which I think was the Delroy or Delroy uh, guy. Um, I couldn't find or, or see if the officer that was being charged directly at discharged his firearm if, if he struck the individual as he was charging at him with the knife. So the question, in my mind, is then <clears throat> who's—if he did shoot, whose bullet then caused the death? Uh, Ward's probably going to answer about, you know, uh, causality and, and how you how you can prove or not prove whose bullet or if it was, you know, who caused the death versus when you fire multiple rounds. So uh, that was the question I had. Did the, did the first officer shoot? Um, and whether or not— it, Anything further, you know, extra shots, Ward hates them, we know, but um, necessary or justified. But yes, in the video, he is clearly clear of the other officers and running across the parking lot uh, when the sergeant appears to fire and he goes down. Um, so, in and of itself, without any other fire or any other guns being discharged at that point, I would have to say, yeah, it, there's a problem if he's running away into the open space of a parking lot and no one else is there, you know, why are you shooting? So at that point so it all depends on what the first officer did in my mind. Did the did the first officer shoot and did he hit? And what was the what was the effectiveness of those rounds or the placement of those rounds, I guess.
0: All right. All right, thank you. All right, attorney Ward.
1: David makes a good point. Uh, my understanding of the shooting is that The guy came at the police officers, they shot at him three times and missed all times. That that certainly was a justified uh, use of a a firearm. My understanding is he was shot when he ran away from the police officers. I didn't see any threat to the police officers, but there is this question. Here is a guy who allegedly attempted to murder a police officer with a knife. He still has a knife. What about the public? Why can't the police officer argue that there is a deadly threat to the public? And he needed to be stopped by lethal force.
0: That's what I was thinking, Ward. Um, Major Ron.
3: You know, that was the only argument that I could have seen fit, you know, to go with that. But um, like David, I was confused. Like, he was running toward the officer. I heard thought a double tap, boom, boom. And then I heard one, two, three. So the first two, I'm like, first of all, how did you miss him? You take all you need to take your ass to the range. How did you miss him? But then... I was thinking when I first saw the video the first time, I was like, This department did a poor job of editing this video or splicing it together. And this is another example of why everyone thinks that uh, body worn cameras are end all, be all do-all when it just looks like he was running away and the guy just shot him in the back, you know, and then you, you read further, you're like, Oh, okay, well that's the issue. You know, and um, you do yourself a poor service if you know, if you're poorly represented and or you don't know how to articulate what you did, why you did it, and um, the reason why you did it. Where did the bullets, like Dave said, where did the bullets? The first bullets hit? Everything you did was ineffective, but you tried to de-escalate. But, you know, you failed, and now, you know, one of your comrades may be going to prison. Uh, that's just crazy to me. Crazy.
0: All right. Thank you, Major. Good points. Good points. We'll have to, um, we'll have to watch and see what happens with this, but we'll be watching this closely. All right, guys, if there's nobody else, let's go to our next one. We've got another video. And we've got, you know, lately I've got some new video sources. And uh, these video sources, man, they are cranking some stuff out. So we're at uh, richmond.com. And it says, state police troopers justified in fatal shooting of um, uh, Xavier Hill um, on I-64 in Goochland grand jury fines. So... We've got the grand jury has unanimously found that two Virginia State troopers were justified in usually deadly force on January the 9th shooting. And this guy was 18 years old that they killed after pursuit that reached speeds of 120 miles an hour. So they were they were cooking. <laughs> So Goochland Commonwealth's attorney uh, D. Michael Caudill announced the decision on Friday evening and separately Caudill released the police dash cam video from a trooper's car that captured um, the event. And again, if you guys want to see that simply go to our Facebook page or producer will uh, will put, you know, links of it up um, if we post this stuff, you know, to video sources like, you know, Rumble, YouTube and Vimeo. So Hill died of a gunshot wound to the neck, according to the autopsy, and a corresponding toxicology report said that he had marijuana in his system at the time of death. Now, during the confrontation with Hill, Trooper uh, Bone fired three shots from his service uh, pistol, and Trooper Layton fired one shot. And the following the uh, shooting after the scene was secured, police found a semi-automatic pistol in front seat of Hill's Mercedes uh, that appeared to be covered in blood. There was a 50 caliber cartridge. They say the cartridge was jammed in the chamber, but the gun uh, contained no magazine. So a day after the shooting, the owner of a 40 caliber Smith and Wesson semi-auto pistol reported it stolen, stolen. And that was, you know, of course the, uh, the gun that he had. So the incident that led to Hill's death began at four thirty-five in the morning. He was driving his Mercedes clock going 96 miles an hour in a 65 zone. He only, he also only had one headlight. So that's, you know, he's just asking for trouble. So the two troopers were together in the same car. Um, and Layton's at the wheel. Uh, they start following him, and they did not activate their emergency lights and siren yet. And then he continues to drive, but now he's going 93 miles an hour, the 97 miles an hour, and now he's sweeping, uh, uh, swerving in adjacent lanes. So after the troopers activate their emergency equipment, um, he turns off his headlights and his tail lights, and he hauls butt and he starts. He jumps up to 120 miles an hour. It makes complete sense without being able to see where you're going. So he'll then slows down, pulls his car on the right shoulder, and he, like he's going to comply with the stop. But instead of stopping, he tries to make a U-turn, and that's where it starts to go south for him. He uh, tries to do the U-turn, but. He hits the median, and his vehicle slides sideways into a, into an embankment, and he's kind of stuck. So both troopers get out of the car. They approach, weapons drawn. They're giving him commands. And as the troopers approach, Hill attempts to get out of the car. Um, by, but he, he's trying to get out of the car, and he's trying to, to leave by accelerating, and he's causing the rear wheels to spin. So Trooper Bone gives him a series of commands before firing um, shots, saying, show me your hands, do it now, put your hands up. Put your hands out the door and then he finally said hey stop reaching and then he yells gun you know for his partner so leighton gave similar uh commands you know like getting out of the car and stuff but then he finally said hey he's got a gun 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 so at that point hill places his left hand out of the driver's side window for about three seconds pulls his arm back inside the vehicle after Hill pulls his uh, arm back in, Layton observes him reaching for the glove compartment and announces, uh, tells his partner that, and then that's when he starts making the gun announcement. So the trooper troopers uh, fired. He's struck by one bullet; it enters his left hand, and the second bullet enters the left side of his face, and a third that enters the base of his neck. So they were better shots than some of our other guys we've been talking about. Um, now we go. I think it's the, um, it's a relative Latoya Benton said. Um, during a January 15th news conference that troopers' actions weren't justified based on what she saw in the video. The officers never gave her son, so she's the mom, never gave her son a chance to get out of the car. She never saw the gun, and is, he was left-handed, so there's no way that he could have shot the troopers with his right hand since that was the hand he was reaching to the glove box with. So very, yeah, very interesting stuff, right, right Major? So um, that's where we're at, guys. We've got a, uh, a couple minutes, exactly two minutes. Um, David, why don't you start us off?
2: Yeah, yeah, the, the, the cops knew what that he was left-handed. He, he, does, is that a sign that they wear around their neck or something? I'm left-handed versus right? Yeah, okay. Um, just That's just stupidity. You know, for the most part, the video, I think both troopers did um, a, a pretty decent job. Um, you know, you go back to training, and if Brett was here, he'd be grinding his teeth because, you know, you, you look at, at, the, at the at the statements or the commands that the troopers are giving, and it's, you know, get out of the car, put your hands up, let me see your hands, put your hands out the door, stop moving, put your hands out the window. So it's that, it's that just that little bit of not being mentally prepared or, or practiced or getting that verbal training down that uh, allows you to say the, the, the commands that uh, are going to get you the, the most uh, response. Um, And Brett likes police don't move, you know, or or just simply put your hands on the dashboard and just use the same command. Don't mix them up or you end up with that, which that's what caught my eye in it. But other than that, they did a good job under the circumstances, justified shooting. Sorry that the mother couldn't see the the gun from the dash cam, but that's just not the way that that works. And I'm still wondering how she expects that they would know he was left handed. That's that's an interesting an interesting uh, statement.
0: Hey, we're going to take another commercial break, but we'll be right back. Mm All right, guys. Hey, the Viridian Fact Duty weapon-mounted camera, it has become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the nation. It fits standard police duty weapons and holsters, and it records automatically when when the gun is removed from the holster, and it provides an unobstructed view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm, and it overcomes inherent issues with body cams. Uh, We got several videos today that you can't see what's going on because it's a body cam. Now, the Fact Duty, that's the FACT Duty, employs a 1080p full high-definition digital camera, has a microphone a 500 lumen tactical light it's also less expensive at data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems you can get more info on the fact duty at gun-camera.com also want to talk to you about industry leader and technology solutions for law enforcement it's guardian alliance technologies their software will cut Background investigators' time in half. Now, we all know that there is a call for more accountability in hiring and selecting who gets the word the badge. Guardian has developed a CJIS-compliant background investigative software platform that helps you weed out problematic applicants in record time. With Guardian, the entire background check process is more comprehensive and yet much faster for both the agency and the applicants. No upfront fees or long-term commitments. I strongly recommend visiting them today at guardianalliancetechnologies.com. All right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable show. If there's nobody on the last one, we will jump to our next topic. And I think we've got another main topic coming up here. Yeah, these things are a little deeper than some of our other stories. Uh, Policeone.com. Police did not have reasonable suspicion sufficient to stop Elijah McClain. Now, this is in Colorado Springs, Colorado, an independent investigation of the 2019 death of Elijah McLean. It found that Aurora Police Department officers who stopped McLean, they did not have reasonable suspicion of criminal activity. And they characterized McLean's behavior um, in ways that conflicted with video and audio evidence of the encounter. And it kind of makes me wonder, Ward, whether they reviewed the video and audio evidence before they made the statements. But in any case, this is where we've got the ketamine being administered by paramedics. So paramedics from the Aurora Fire Rescue, uh, they did not examine or question McLean before they injected him with ketamine. There was not a clear transition of care or command authority from police to fire either, according to this report now mcclain he's a 23 year old black man he died after being placed in a carotid hold by police and sedated with ketamine by paramedics on august 24th 2019 now notice i just said carotid hold because elsewhere in the report it's going to say choke hold and they're completely two different things. So I, I always get frustrated with that. I know David does too. Now McLean was initially stopped by Officer Nathan Woodard, and uh, he was joined by Officers Jason uh, Rosenblatt and Randy Rodema. Now, Officer, or I guess after McLean refused officers' orders during what the report said should have been a consensual encounter, police put McLean in a now banned chokehold. I dispute that, and they knelt on his body until he vomited and lost consciousness. Now. When Aurora Fire Rescue personnel arrived, paramedics diagnosed McLean with excited delirium. They gave him 500 milligrams of ketamine, and uh, you know, which is a, se- a sedative. And uh, this is what reports have, you know, f- found. So when he was put in the ambulance, he was not bre- not breathing. He had no pulse. So he was pronounced brain dead August the 27th and taken off life support August the 30th. Aurora City Council ordered the external investigation of McLean's death in July. Now the 17th Judicial district attorney's office they declined to prosecute the officers however the aurora police chief whose name is vanessa wilson she fired several officers including rosenblatt who mocked mcclain's death in a selfie a photo that he took so now in the highlights on this thing it says an officer they're kind of explaining the reasonableness of of what needs to go down it says an officer must have reasonable suspicion of criminal activity to justify an investigatory stop and that the stop has to use the least intrusive means reasonably available to verify or alleviate the officer's suspicion. Now, the report found that none of the reasons given by the officers or reported by the caller, uh, McLean acting suspicious, wearing a mask and waving his arms and being in the area with a high crime rate, none of those met the standard. So that's kind of where they're at. Um, Guys, any comments on, um, on this video? I see you shaking your head, David. ward anything
2: i mean there's there's so much there's so much in there to unpack i mean it's just between the you know the, the decision that or the opinion that the officers didn't have anything more than a consensual stop but made it turn it into an, an investigatory stop the you know what what went down after that as far as uh the fight and then the ketamine it, it's it's just one kind of um, too much after on top of too much I, i've i've never been a fan of that whole uh ketamine ketamine on the street like that it's just to me that's just scary but uh, uh okay but i guess this is what what you get sometimes when you when you swing that one but oof, that, that that's a tough one all the way around
0: Thanks, Dave. Now, Ward, I read that they had, in the report now, I mean, in hindsight, they're saying that they overestimated his, his body weight by 50 pounds and gave him too much ketamine. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this, Ward?
1: I, I, I wasn't gonna say anything, because I'm with David. I have I have trouble with all this. I mean, I have to respect the results of an investigation, but you just said that it conflicts with what's in the film. I can't believe they didn't look at the film. The film always trumps everything else. So I, I just don't know. This is one of those cases where I'd want to look at everything independently uh, myself rather than just rely on what we've been reading.
0: All right. I can't argue with that. David?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just, I was looking back at it, trying to see if there was something else that would jump out at me, but there's nothing. It's it's, a, it's just a mess. I um, mean, there's not enough uh, to, to really pin it on me I, I just like I said just don't like that ketamine thing at all
0: yeah no I, I get it and it's so foreign I mean I've never you know it's not at every agency and uh you know Ward I'm getting a lot of noise like a pen hit there thank you um but you know this ketamine thing is just so foreign to us you know so I've uh you know I've never you know when I was active that's <laughs> never been an option so it's, it just sounds so crazy I know I know um anyhow Um, let's move on to our next one then, and we're going to do an update police one.com no charges for Rochester cops in prude death and it sparks protests. So now we're of course in Rochester, New York. Crowds in Rochester took to the streets on Tuesday after a grand jury voted to not indict the police officers involved in the death of Daniel Prude. Now Attorney General Letitia James announced on Tuesday afternoon that the Rochester police officers that they're not going to face criminal charges. I kind of like the way they worded it a little bit better than they normally do uh, Ward, because they're not saying that you know uh, we're gonna we're gonna not you know, criminally charged these cops or something like that. Um, Prude died in police custody last March. He was visiting his brother in Rochester. Police found him running naked in the streets in a snowstorm, And according to Syracuse.com, his brother called police because Prude was having a mental episode. Medical examiners later determined that Prude was in a PCP-induced state of excited delirium and acute intoxication. And a body cam video showed police covering Prude's head with a spit hood and restraining him on the ground. Now, the officers involved remain on leave pending an internal investigation, according to Syracuse.com. But that's what we have. And that's, you know, in the, in the update anyhow. So there may be, there may be no surprises in that. I don't know. Um, any comments on that before we move to the next one, David?
2: Gosh, I, I mean, you're a cop, a couple cops in a car <laughs> and you pull up and there's a guy naked running down the street in a snowstorm. Um, you, as much as I would like to, you're not passing that up. I mean, you can't, there's no way. And you, and, Unfortunately, you don't have. I don't believe that they would have the uh, the mental health uh, person in their trunk to pop the trunk open to go go get him. There he is. There's yours. That's yours because that's not going to happen either. PCP induced state of excited delirium, according to the medical examiner. I mean, he's he's on heavy drugs. He's he's a spit hood is a is a is a mesh bag there's no um there's no oxygen or air depletion by wearing one it's there. there's nothing else that these cops could have done other than just simply let him run down okay well no we, we don't want to do anything it's uh this is getting a little nope, nope we can't do it uh, y- this is a no win for anybody and uh, i can't see how they're going to do anything to the cops over this there's just no way so sorry
0: all right Thanks, David. Now, out of curiosity, Tyra, does it snow in New Mexico by chance? I mean, just a question.
1: Um, It normally doesn't, but it has the past couple weeks. In fact, it was snowing today, so.
0: All right. So I don't want to jinx you, Tyra, with, you know, getting a call in the snow with a naked guy running around. But I just, you know, just I'm just throwing it out there. If it happens let us know about it so we can cover it on the show. You don't have to comment on it. I know you're still active and stuff, but, you know, I'm just throwing it out there, okay?
1: I'll be sure to let you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Ron's probably got some good tips on how to handle that one, but I'd, I'd rather not, you know, follow Ron's lead because that'll just get you in trouble. So, all right. If there's uh, nobody else, we've got uh, really roughly about a minute here, so I'll start off with the next one, and then we'll take a break. But uh, let's see, a, we've got a video here, and this is onlineathens.com. So there are new details in reference to the case, too. So athens Clark police, they shoot and kill a man that's charging at them in a threatening manner. So the officers, um, I guess they shoot and kill him when he's rushing them in a threatening manner. And uh, this is after they corner him in a wooded area in North Athens. So the man, his name is Timothy Daniel uh, Statham. 37 years old he indicated that he had a firearm now that's really really key and david i really want to hear what you have to say about this because they're using less lethal you know and uh, and this guy you know has a uh, saying that he has a gun anyhow so but look we'll get more to this in a second we're going to take another commercial break we'll be right back All right, um, hey, this is the wrap up of the one hour show, and of course, I finish it, you know, right when we're getting ready to talk about a new video. So I'm going to have to leave it in producer Will and producer Will's hands in order to to fix that. So um, I I forgot that we need to wrap up that. So we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about this video then, and um, and just include it. But uh, guys, with no further delay, then let's go ahead and start with the second half of the show, the second hour, which, uh, you know, some of our stations carry one hour, some carry two hours. Let's start hour number two.